Hi, everybody. Welcome back to It's All Light. I'm your host, Natalie Baugh, and today's guest is Josh Hayden Haddon. 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 Josh Haddon. Josh, tell us a little bit about yourself. And as you can probably guess, I don't know Josh very well, and I'm excited to have him on the podcast because you'll find out throughout the episode. Go ahead, Josh. Hey, Natalie. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Um, my name is Josh Haddon. I'm from Southern California in a little town called Harupa Valley. It's kind of the greater Riverside area. I lived there all my life, loved going to the beach. And then I last five years, I've been in Idaho, attending BYU-Idaho. And this July, I just graduated with my bachelor's degree in communications. Oh, nice. And I moved to Utah in September. I had no idea what my next step was, but I'm glad to be here. I've been having fun in the mountains. Um, that is what I like to do. I just tell people when they ask me what I like to do. It's, it's be outside. So in California, it was the beach and there's nothing about the ocean that scares me. You surf the the waves, and everything. The I've surfed a little bit. Uh, body surfing is what I prefer. It's just cool. a little bit lower maintenance. You don't have to bring all this gear. You just, you just throw go. yourself out in the ocean yeah, and that's yeah, fun. get tumbled. Uh -huh. <clears> so yeah, <throat> the bigger, the scarier, the more fun for me. And mm. so when I moved up to Idaho, that kind of translated into mountains and cliff jumping mm. and flooding rivers and finding ice caves and mm. finding yeah. hot springs and everything that wilderness has to offer. Idaho, Idaho is full of all those little wonders that people don't really it think is. about it or realize. Is. Idaho is slept on, but it's so beautiful up there. But maybe they want it that way. Like when I discover pockets of Idaho, I'm like, they keep it a secret for a reason because then it's like they less... Do populated and mccall idaho is my dreamland i love mccall oh that's a good spot i've ever been up there but well fun so now you're in utah and mm -hmm. getting up into the mountains you said some more here is it pretty similar to idaho the feel of that outdoorsy life or less i it's i don't know i'm trying to love utah as much as i loved idaho mm. in all honesty interesting utah it's like all the mountains are right here and i feel like everybody is in them and i feel like all the views are kind of similar ish it's like the mountain and some trees mountain and some trees mm. i feel like idaho for the most part well here's what utah has it's like general beauty kind of everywhere right like anywhere you go, you go in utah you see big huge mountains and you're like wow this is great in idaho you drive through a lot of potato fields and a lot of flatland a lot of desert and you're like that's eh, not so good but they have all of these gems that i think are really unique and so I would always like go out on Saturdays and be looking for the next gem, the next little adventure, the next little <clears> spot. And I feel like they were all really different. And I feel like in Utah, it's like, yeah, I can go out on Saturday and I can hike up the mountain, but it's kind of always a little bit the same to me. I, I mean, you're, you're not wrong. The more I think about it to an extent, it just feels great right. to go outside. So do you feel like you're more mountains than beach, even though you grew up at the beach? Oh, that's such a good question. Such a good question. Honestly, I'd say I'm still a little more beach than mountains, but That's I, just I don't childhood, know if I'm going back to Southern California. Yeah. Mm, okay. Good to like, know. In the yeah. mountains, I'm not the craziest guy doing the craziest stuff out there, but in the ocean, I'm, I'm a little up there. <laughs> That's, yeah, the ocean freaks me out at times, so power to you. Well, cool. So say again what you're up to in life. So I just started a job in marketing. I started oh, last nice. month. Right on. It's for a little company, an education curriculum company, and I'm their conference specialist. So huh. they go to all these conferences all across the United States, and they want to talk about their products and the textbooks and things that they've got. And my job is to coordinate that they go to all of those. So 
Nice. I studied communications too, so I think I, I get the realm that you're in. That's exciting. <laughs> and now the reason why, why I brought Josh on the podcast, I was sparked by something he shared with me when I met him for the first time. It was just some random conversation at a little event thing. And it was just kind of like, oh, that's an interesting story. And I like to share interesting stories on the podcast. So Josh, do you want to dive into that? What did, what did yeah, you, sure. and I don't even know how it came up. Oh, you said something. And I was like, oh, do you speak another language or did you serve a mission? Uh-huh. Right. I don't even That's know what right. you said. And, and I, I feel like I get that question most days, right? It's just kind of conversational. Yeah. Um, and the people that we meet, they're like, oh, where are you from? Oh, where'd you go to school? Oh, did you serve a mission? Where mm-hmm. was it? Or, yeah. you know, I feel like for me, they just kind of always assume they always, I, the question is always, where did you serve? And I'm like, oh. I actually have a funky mission story and people get a little confused. And I'm, the story is that I graduated high school and I worked for a year and a half. I saved up all my money. I was working at five guys, burgers and fries, mm-hmm. having a blast. Oh, that sounds Fun. good right now. <laughs> it was interesting. I actually pretty sure I was the youngest general manager in company history. I was 18 years old Dang. and they made me the general manager. I was in charge of hiring and firing and inventory and the whole shebang. Wow. But Anyways, I worked my year and a half there. I had all my money saved up for my mission. I turned in my paperwork. I was really excited to go. This had always been my only plan. I hadn't even applied for college. I had nothing else in my back pocket. This was it. I turned in my mission papers, and then a month goes by, and I don't hear anything. Usually hear back in about two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then at about the month mark, my stake president, he sends me a text, and he says, um, hey, Josh, I got a letter for you from Salt Lake. Do you want to come by my office so I can share it with you? And that's just not exactly standard procedure. Usually your mission call comes in a letter or an email and it just tells you where you're going. You've got everything. You're good to go. So this was a little unique and I was a little confused as to why I was going to go meet with my church leader. But I went and he reads me this letter that basically said, Josh, we thank you so much for your willingness and worthiness to serve. As the first presidency of the church, we've prayed about your assignment and feel that you do not need to serve a mission. God is pleased with you as you are. You've been honorably released. You're not missing out on any blessings. And we pray for you as you try to find your next step. <laughs> and that was so that. crazy. <laughs> yeah, that really rocked me for a little bit. That, <laughs> yeah, took me down because that had been my only life plan. And I suddenly was scrambling. I remember just sitting in that church leader's office and Honestly, I was just trying not to cry. He was like, he was confused as well. He'd never seen that. He didn't understand it. It didn't make any sense. He even, I mean, at the time he's like, do you want to go to In-N-Out? Should we go get some hamburgers? That might Mm. make us feel better. Yeah. (laughs) I declined because I just needed to go cry in my car. But yeah. So weird too. Like, yeah. What else was going through your mind? Like, why would this happen to me? Or like, what's the purpose of it? Sorry. Yeah. As as unhelpful as those thoughts are, right? Like, why me? Like, I'm I'm a good guy and I have a desire to serve the Lord. And they always say anybody who wants to serve the Lord is welcome. So this feels so uncomfortable. It feels like a stab in the back. Like, and I didn't casually want this. I didn't just fill out a piece of paper one day. Like, I worked the last year and a half to accomplish this goal. And it really didn't make sense to me. I felt a lot of confusion, Mm. a lot of disappointment. So how'd you get through that? That's a really good question. Um, I remember my stake president, my church leader was just kind of 
trying to offer me anything in in exchange of this you know because i couldn't go on the mission he wanted to offer me something and so he kind of talked about like maybe doing a service mission and i considered that for a time and he talked about just some other options for me and at one point he said well you know they wrote this, us this letter we can send a letter back and i was like oh yeah oh, I'd, I'd like to send her a letter back <laughs> he's like I, I bet you would let's let's think about that one let's be prayerful so mm -hmm. how about you go home we'll meet again in about a week or two let you think about it and uh we'll, we'll see what we want to do and i was like of course so i went home and obviously i was trying to understand this so i was trying to be really prayerful i was trying to read my scriptures was trying to get close to god and make sense of this so i went home and part of my study was like well i'm gonna study you know what i should write back in this letter to the church leaders so that i'm i don't know i didn't understand why i wasn't considered for service so um anyways in that time i was studying my scriptures and one of the scripture stories that i studied was martin harris at the time he was helping joseph smith translate the book of mormon and he lost 116 pages and it was because he asked god three times he asked god and the answer was no and he didn't want that to be the answer so he asked god again and the answer was no and he didn't like that answer so he asked god again yeah. and then the answer was do what you want and that oh, led to is, the consequence which i have Harris. felt that too we all sometimes get to the point where we want to do what we want even though we know it might not be the right thing but we just do it anyways because we're human okay keep going totally so i i was reading this story and i said oh my gosh i'm martin harris here like God has spoken through his channels, through his church leaders, <clears throat> and the plan is not for me to serve a mission. And what letter do I think I'm going to write to the prophet of the Lord and say, hey, my name is Josh. Maybe you don't know that much, but I'm supposed to serve as a mission. Like, who am I? What kind of prideful young man would I have to be to write that letter? Mm, so oh. through the scriptures, <laughs> I was humbled and understood that God had spoken and that he had a plan for me. Dang. That's pretty amazing to come to that conclusion as an eight, you were 19, a 19 year old boy. Yeah, I was probably 19 at that point. Dang. Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. So I bet you still wonder the, to this day, right? Like, huh? Oh, absolutely. People had all, oh, I've heard every theory that you could hear, right? <laughs> okay, give us, people, uh, yeah, what are some theories? So many. <laughs> oh, people, I mean, they're cracking jokes. People are like, well, I guess you're just going to be the next prophet, aren't you? Well, I guess you'll just go straight to heaven. Or they're like, oh, what did you do? Why, why would God not want you to serve? <laughs> people jump that. They oh, go boy. all over the place. Both ends right of the extreme. A lot of sweet little old ladies in my in my church were like, well, you know what that means? You're going to meet your wife in the next two years. And I was like, that's a really nice thought. I'm not going to hold on to that because if two years passes and I'm not married, I'll just be disappointed all over again. Mm. And it's been more than two years and I'm not married. Yeah. How so, old are you? Can I ask? I'm 25. Yeah. 25. So this was six years ago. Eight, yeah. Just about. Seven, seven years ago. I think six. Yeah. Interesting. And you just, how long do you feel like it took for you to take the next step, like to figure out what you wanted to do next? Oh, well, I'd already, I already felt really stuck. I was really excited. Like working that time at Five Guys and staying at my parents' house didn't feel like progress to me, right? It was just mm -hmm. like preparing for the next step. Yeah. And then the next step wasn't there. And I immediately felt trapped. I'm like, well, what do I do? 
and I knew I wanted to grow. I knew I wanted to progress. And so I get, I decided the next step for me was college. And it was June when I got this letter and June is not exactly the time to be applying for college, but um, I had kind of, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go to maybe like BYU Provo, BYU Hawaii. I definitely consider BYU Idaho as kind of like a back pocket kind of plan. But at this time I was like, the semester starts in a month or two. I don't have any, I don't have any way to get into anything fancy. I'm just going to have to start at BYU Idaho. They have a 99% acceptance rate. <laughs> I'm just going to have to move my feet in faith and know that God will guide me. Yeah. And I was like, I don't, I don't even know if I can get in there. Maybe it's too late to start school at all. But I, within that few days that I was being really, really, really prayerful, I went to the BYU Idaho website and immediately right across the top it, in big red letters that said, we are still accepting applications for the fall. And it was June at this point, and I was like, that feels like my path. So cool. I applied, I went in, I did everything last minute, I found housing, I packed up my little 1995 Lexus car, drove it 13 hours north from California to Idaho, moved in, and I just started school. Wow. And BYU-Idaho was really good for me. Um, I was excited. I felt like I already knew a lot of people up there. So I was having some happy reunions in the beginning. And then I started to meet more new, incredible people. And that was all good. And then I got really involved in a program that I loved. Um, in my first semester, I started getting involved with the new student mentoring program, which is this huge service ministering effort. There's probably about 300 volunteers every semester who volunteer their time to go and visit and help and befriend all of the about 3,000, 5,000 new students that joined BYU-Idaho. Hmm. And um, I found a lot of purpose there. I actually really, really loved the work that I got to do at BYU-Idaho. Why? What purpose did you find with it? Sorry, that was just like me generally being like, okay, yeah, that sounds great. But like for other people, like why, why was that so big for you? Maybe why that was so big for me was just like, the purpose of the program, right? I know that one of their mottos was to help every new student come closer to their savior, their university and their potential. And mm -hmm. part of the reason why this program existed was because they wanted to address the large number of students that drop out within their first year. And mm -hmm. they drop out for all kinds of reasons. Maybe they're unsupported. Maybe they don't have any friends. Maybe they didn't know about all the resources that campus has to offer. And so these mentors, they show up and they're trying to knock on people's doors and they're trying to send text messages. And more often than not, the new students are annoyed. They don't want it. They want to be independent and that's okay. But there are a lot of people who show up at BYU-Idaho not knowing anyone. I mean, almost everybody who goes there isn't from Idaho. And unless you're lucky enough to go with your family or your friends, you're up there all alone in a new world and you don't know where to go or what to do. And so this program just allowed these thousands of people to have a built-in friend and somebody they can text and ask questions to. And I mean, it's a religious university and anybody who was volunteering for that program was trying to be like their savior, Jesus Christ, and trying to help out their brothers and sisters. And it was just a really good, inspiring place to be. I love that. So you were a mentor for a lot of your years at BYU-Idaho? Yeah. Yeah. So I started volunteering um, as soon as I could. And then I ended up getting a job there and ended up being the director of the program. So just kind of wow. overseeing. That's and, amazing. 
meeting with a lot of our volunteers and, you know, <clears throat> talking to them about the things that were hard for them, talking about them to the things that were hard for the new students they were encountering and just how can we lift? How can we help? Yeah. And I loved working in that capacity. Oh, that's great. I love that. That reminds me of another question with your mission call story. What do you feel like is a lesson that you... Mm, sorry, what am I trying to say? A lot of our experiences happen so that we can share them with others. Like if we are mentoring to relate or or help people through your experiences, have you seen that through your weird mission call story? Like, have you been able to use that story to relate or help someone? That's a really good question. Um, I guess maybe I haven't given that much thought, but when you ask it right now, it makes me think that it maybe has been helping me in ways that I haven't recognized, mm -hmm. right? I, I think a lot of people tend to assume that I've served a mission and maybe that's just because of the way that I carry myself or something about me, right? People kind of assume that I'm pretty involved in the church, Yeah. but that's not everybody's story, right? So people all have their varying ranges of activity within the church or their feelings towards the gospel. Yeah. And it's so important to be kind and to love everyone, regardless of their faith or what their background is. And I think sometimes when you have a really strong faith, sometimes it's off-putting to people who don't see themselves that way. They're like, oh, that person is just perfect. They go to church every Sunday. They follow every rule. They live in their own little world. And that will never be me. I've tried and it's not for me. But I feel like true Christianity comes when we see that everyone is trying to practice faith, but that we're all coming short or failing. And maybe for me, that mission story is a piece of that, right? They, mm. Maybe they, they build some idea in their head of what I am. Like, oh, that guy always goes to church. That guy follows all the rules. I'm not like him. And then they hear me say a mission story of like, oh, of course I wanted to serve, but that wasn't God's plan. Or even just the simple sense, I didn't serve a mission has its own meaning to it. And maybe it allows people to see me mm. in a more realistic way. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. I feel like it's going to be throughout your whole life, finding the different meaning and purposes of it, which kind of reminds me of like any experience we go through. Like when you were prefacing your story, you're like, this is all that I was planning on. Like this was the next step. This I had everything ready. And I'm sure many of us have been in our lives where we're, we're like preparing, maybe even years of preparing for the next step. And then it's just gone. It just doesn't happen. Um, yeah, that happens, I think, a lot more than people are willing to to acknowledge or share just because it is sometimes personal, like life not happening how we want it to. Right. Um, and I love that you shared your mentoring experience was kind of one of those stepping stones to figure out what the next step would be, right? Going to school, just putting steps into the future. You just have to keep moving somehow and sometimes quicker than you realize. Totally. So what keeps you going now? Hmm. That is a really good question. I have to say what keeps me going now is just coming to know a living and a loving and a merciful God who wants to help us in every way that he can. Um, 
yeah, I, I feel like it's the journey of a lifetime to come to know God. And I feel like he intends for it to be that way. Um, it's, it's so interesting just to watch life unfold and, and the different difficult things that happen. And, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> I think, I think a lot of people tend to blame God or say, why, why me? Why did this happen? Um, and I, I've been working on a lot, not viewing it that way. I've been trying to to flip the role and, and to realize that mortality has to work it to do its work in us. Mortality has to do its work in us. And this world comes with a lot of imperfection and things that are hard. And it comes with deformities and mental health issues and hard relationships and uncomfortable things. Right. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. that is why we're here. And that, God doesn't orchestrate those things, but that those are just part of this life. And I choose to believe that God is in the middle of all of the things that are hard for us, trying to make the best of it, mm-hmm. trying to make the best of every mess that we make for ourselves, trying to make the best of every mess that other people make in our lives. Totally. And that we just are in this broken world and that God is working really hard to make it better, but that there's, there's value in the brokenness here and we learn so much from it. Oh, I love that. There's value in the brokenness. Yeah. And if we didn't have any of these trials or struggles, we literally wouldn't learn a single thing. Like we have to have, we have to have it. And it's so hard sometimes. Like I told Josh right before he started, my producer, George was trying to put me in a better mood because I was just like sad. I'm like, I'm just sad. Like lots of different things going on. And it's like, Sometimes that's okay. And sometimes that happens. And then like, okay, it's like, okay, podcast time. Like, this is fun. I enjoy it. You know, just getting out and and doing something you enjoy. But yeah, I love, I loved your testimony. You just shared, just keeping perspective, knowing that it, it will all kind of sort itself out. And it sometimes just takes time, patience, and humility in accepting things as it is. Wow. Sorry, Amen. I just summed up and added a lot <laughs> right good. there. Um, if you have any other thoughts as we continue chatting, please just like cut me off and, and share them. But I kind of want to ask you now the the point of this podcast, what do you light up about? And thank you for sharing your story. And it's obvious that you light up about those those principles as well. But now we're going <laughs> to pivot the episode and talk about a few other fun things. Right on. Um I light up about all kinds of stuff. I I really do try to see the joy in life. And for me, a lot of times that means the wilderness, right? So a little bit what we talked about earlier, I light up about mountains and waterfalls and hot springs and falling through the air. I've been skydiving. And um, one of my favorite things to do is find a good spot to do cliff jumping or bridge jumping. And mm. I love swimming. I love anything that's alive. I love plants and animals and people and I love life, I guess. I guess that's what I light up about. I light up about life. Life is good. Were you always, yeah, were you always that way? I feel like I can see like a little Josh kid loving all the things. A little bit. I think that that was always a part of me. But honestly, as a kid, I kind of just, I wasted my whole life on the computer. I was not an outdoorsy kid. I like didn't have any neighborhood friends and my siblings weren't my age. And at some young age, someone just like, put a computer in front of my face and said, you can play games on here. Mm-hmm. And I kind of just like, my whole childhood playing games. And then it was kind of in my teenage years that I swapped that. I, I became very adventurous. And I think that was more as I got, you get more independence as you're kind of going through your adolescent years, right? Mm-hmm. Especially like the time of my 
my teenage years where my friends started to get cars and we could start driving to mountains and beaches and hikes and caves and everything in between. That was when it all started for me. And then it even, it took another step up when I moved to Idaho and some people think there's not much to do in Idaho, but I got my national parks pass and I never looked back because Grand Teton National Park and Yellowstone National Park were both two hours away from my college and it was great. That's so fun. I love that you have like, some people say like, yeah, I mean, I love the outdoors, but you like have a list. You're like the animals, the wilderness, you know, sunsets (laughs) and plants and oceans and and ocean animals and all sorts of stuff. Um, I do. I love it do you love that because it's beautiful or do you like more detailed of like how things work or what do you enjoy about it? <laughs> if I can ask that. <laughs> mm, that's a really good question. The why. Of mm-hmm. why I love all of that. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful is big. Interesting is big. And, and honestly, I feel like I like the unpredictability is always been something beautiful to me like that for me that's the call of the ocean because there's Mm -hmm. lakes and then there's the ocean and the ocean is full of life and unpredictable a lake you kind of know what you're getting the ocean's so scary unpredictability is scary i don't even think that 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 doesn't Hmm. even process in my mind interesting like the waves are crashing and i run into them i love it and i when i went to hawaii i went shark diving and a lot of people are like that's not for me I don't even go in the ocean because there's sharks and I was looking for them. I wanted them. I, I asked my instructor, mm. I was like, okay, we're going to be in the water with the sharks. We're not in a cage. We're free diving. Mm. And I was like, can I swim towards the sharks? Like, can I go up to them? And they're like, no, don't do that. <laughs> if the answer was yes, I'm willing. Like I, I love life. Interesting. And I, just, I love observing, I guess. I love just seeing things. Yeah do what they do, whether that's, yeah, the waves crashing on the beach or the animals going about their business. I love it all. So you love the unpredictability of nature and all these things you mentioned. Do you feel like that translates to your life of like unpredictability with your career with, I mean, at the time with your mission, like, do you feel like that is a (laughs) characteristic trait that you feel like you handle well in other areas of your life? I'd say so. Um, I think the word that I tend to use more often is variety. I love variety. Hmm. And okay. I guess variety does kind of correlate with unpredictability, right? Changing things up and, and having different things going on. Yeah, I guess you're right. Like variables in a science experiment. Yeah, okay. I yeah. see it now. For a second, I was like, those don't correlate at all, but I get it now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So do you feel like you like uncertainty? Like you you feel like you have a peace with not knowing what's next? Because mm. that is something that I'm like, I don't relate to. I'm like, I, uh, and maybe that's why the ocean's so scary. It's because it is unpredictable. <laughs> but it's so fun when you get out there and you just forget about it, you know? I, I know. guess for me, unpredictability is also possibility. Ooh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like when I'm not in control... And I don't know what's going to happen. Anything could happen. And so I think that's why I chase these constantly new experiences. And I think that's why the ocean calls me, right? Like some people say, oh, you don't know what's in the ocean. I'm scared of it. And I say, I don't know what's in the ocean. I'm so excited. (laughs) What if I see an octopus (laughs) or a squid or a shark or a seal? That's crazy. And, And 
right to anything right what if we go to the national park we see a bear and i say yeah what if we see a bear wouldn't that see, be cool i can do <laughs> i can go out in the wilderness the ocean though i just still i need to overcome some fears there but yeah no i'm like i go on trail runs and i'm like what if i see a mountain lion and then i'm like what if there's a rattlesnake like i am always thinking <laughs> of like my fight or flight mechanisms you know just because that i can handle the ocean i don't know why maybe it's just because i haven't grown up around that but interesting i love I love hearing you light up about life. I mean, that's what you said you light up about. And all of this is pertaining to life and and life lessons. And there's so much in the world that is more connected than we realize. And I don't know. Is there anything recent in the last few months that has been like kind of imprinting on your mind or or where your energy has been focused that you want to talk about? And if not... It's okay. <laughs> no, that's okay. Um, kind of like a longer season of life. If I zoom out a little bit, for the last few years, my favorite scripture has been, and actually the most embarrassing part is that I don't know the reference, but it's in Isaiah. All right. And the line in the scripture is beauty for ashes. Mm. And the scripture is full of all kinds of everything. They say the, the oil of joy for mourning beauty for ashes um and there's a few other things but that line beauty for ashes um i guess maybe i just brought this back to like a, a church topic but it's okay it I is what i've been passionate I about isaiah 61 3 i googled it okay you found keep, it keep isaiah going 61 3 beauty for ashes um a few years ago not to like dwell here, but there was a really big trial in my life. And it, it was January, 2021. My dad passed away from oh. COVID. Oh no. And it's okay. Don't Beauty for ashes is a very real thing. That's, okay. that's my testimony that I'm talking about here. Okay. But that was the time in my life where I <clears throat> really, truly, genuinely felt like I had been served ashes. I felt like my life had deconstructed. I had a number of other hard things going on in my life. And then my dad passed away and these things all just kind of like stacked and compounded. And I was pretty broken. I was pretty hurt. I was pretty mad. I was pretty sad. Fill in the blank with any negative emotion. And I was kind of going through it at the time. And it was at that point, right, that I was kind of asking those questions, right? Of like, okay, what do I believe? Why would God do this to me? If, if that's the question you want to ask, it's not a very helpful question, but I, I went through it. I feel like everybody thinks those thoughts in your, your negative head spaces, but oh, yeah. God do this to me. Okay. I, I don't know why a loving God would allow for this to happen in this way. Maybe there's not a God. Maybe I don't believe everything that I thought I, you know, right. It's just everything gets questioned in those dark times. Totally. And um, beauty for ashes has kind of come to be my long time testimony, right? And if you think about <clears throat> that, that's a metaphor, right? I'm talking about the things in our life being ashes, right? That they've been burned up or consumed or that they're useless or, yeah, broken. Um, ashes aren't good for much. We don't really use ashes for a lot of things. They're not super useful. No one's really desiring ashes. It's usually a byproduct of something being destroyed. Yeah. But... The scriptural promise here is that through our Savior, Jesus Christ, that he will give us beauty for ashes. Yeah. And that beauty is a little nondescript. It doesn't have a specific promise, right? Like God doesn't say that he will give us 
bread for ashes or a perfect family for ashes or a happy life, a comfortable life or a six figure income or whatever it is. It just says beauty for ashes. And I, I love kind of that simple symbolism there that it's a little bit open-ended, that's a little unpredictable. <laughs> and um, the, the promise that God offers there. And I, I guess I'll just say that in the time of my life, I've seen the slow unfolding of that promise come true. And it's not something that happens overnight or in a week or a month. It's, it's kind of a slow process. Yeah. And um, anyways, it's just the way that God works through us. Uh, you, I almost never see it in the day to day, but in the years back, as I look on my life, I can always see that God was working things for my good all along. Yeah. I've been trying to reflect on 2023, just exactly what you're saying. When you look back, there is a lot more beauty than you realize when you're in the moment. So what has that beauty looked like for you in this, in this experience? If that's not too personal. No, that's okay. Um, it's, it's been a combination of me learning two pretty valuable lessons that are kind of, kind of in contrast and kind of working together. I've learned a lot of independence. I've learned a lot of how to stand on my own two feet, right? as terrible as a lesson that is to learn for anyone or, or in any situation. But right. For me, it was the not having access to my dad, you know, and all the things that come with that, right. Who do you call when your car breaks down? Who do you talk to about all these different things that come up in life? And then my dad was gone. I, I just didn't have that resource available, which led to some, some independence for me. But in the same breath, it, it led me to my heavenly father. Because if I didn't have this immediate access to my dad where I could just ask him or call him or do all these things, there was someone else I could count on and it was my father in heaven. And so through this trial, I've come to lean on him more. Now more than ever, I, I come to him in prayer and I want to study my scriptures and I want to understand his will. And where normally I might have gotten a, a cheaper version of that with my biological father that was here, he loved and he served and he wanted to teach, but um, what he can offer is not the same as what our father in heaven can offer. Mm. And so through this trial, I, I think I've really deepened my relationship with my father in heaven and that has made all the difference. That's been the beauty for ashes, right? Like, do I still feel pain about my biological father being gone? Of course. But do I see the beauty that comes through growing closer to my father in heaven and how he can influence my everyday life? Yes, I do. Mm. That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Um, yeah, my mind is kind of just processing a lot of what you shared. So I appreciate that. Um, in conclusion, I want to have you think about like an uplifting takeaway throughout this episode or just something you think the people out there listening should know. And, and obviously all that you've shared in this episode is wonderful for them to learn and learn from you. But any last, like, the people should know this. Mm. Um, maybe a little bit of a, yeah, a summary, a wrap up of some of the other things I've said. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a quote by Will Smith <clears throat> when he says yeah. that 
in this life, God has placed a lot of the best things that this life has to offer on the other side of fear. And often you have to do something mm. very uncomfortable to get there. And I believe in that in a fun sense, right? I believe in that in a, I'm going to go get tumbled in the waves and I want to go skydiving and I want to swim with sharks and I want to climb these mountains and have these credible or incredible, terrible, wonderful experiences. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really true relationship wise, right? Like I'm so scared to talk to this person or to address this feeling. And I think that the best things are on the other side of fear in that sense. And I think spiritually, right? Like I'm so scared of this terrible thing happening to me. I don't know what that would mean for my faith if that happened to me. Mm. That fear, I mean, if you get on the other side of it, there are wonderful, wonderful things ready to bloom, ready to prosper. Mm. Okay, my mind goes to like three things. Now I'm going <laughs> to intrude. Okay, first one, what are you scared of if like 50 foot cliff jumping doesn't freak you out? Second thing, <laughs> second thing, what like we were talking about uncertainty. So it's like, yeah, in relationships, yeah, you might have fear starting a relationship, but then you might have fear that you're not going to find someone if that relationship ends, you know, like there's so much fear there. And then the third thing, <laughs> this is really kind of silly, but the other night I was getting ready to go out dancing with my friends and my hair was in like a tight bun and my neck was a little sore and I was starting to like read my scriptures and like, I was looking at a text on my phone and like part of it was like blurry and like, for 10 minutes, my eyesight was pretty blurry and I like could only see half of like my text and I was trying to write in my journal and read my scriptures and I could only see like half of it. And there was like this blurry circle and I was like, oh my gosh, I'm, like what is happening? And I was trying not to freak out because I'm like, I'm a hypochondriac. I'm probably fine. Like, you know, if this doesn't go away, then then I'll do something like after an hour or whatever. Luckily, it went away. But then I just like let my mind go into this land of like, what if I was blind? I couldn't do anything. You know, like my mind was just like, holy cow, how grateful I am for my sight. But at the same time, it's like, who knows what trials are coming? And there's a study done too of like asking people, you know, like, okay, if you ever lost a limb or maybe if you were blind, like, do you think you'd be happier? Could you ever be as happy as you are now with all those things? Right. And they're mm. like, no way. Like that would change my whole life. I wouldn't be able to do the things I love, you know? But studies show with the people who have had gone through those experiences, they're even more happier than they ever thought they could be in their life. And of course, that's where we get motivational speakers. And that's where we like we watch these stories, you know, and we love we love these stories because that it gives us hope and there is happiness on that other side of fear. OK, now we're going to back. <laughs> you probably have thoughts on that, too, but I have two other those two first questions, too, I want to get to. But. Any thoughts on that third point? I just rambled. <laughs> um, I did have a thought. Give me a second to collect it. <clears throat> That's okay. It'll oh, I'm sorry. I rambled a lot. No, it's okay. Okay, but backtracking, what are you afraid of? Like my friend was saying for her goals, she's like, yeah, I want to do things that scare me to push me. Like something I'm afraid of, like scuba diving or or like that would scare me too, you know? So it's like, okay, what are things that scare me that pushes me outside of that fear? So what is that for you? That's a really good question. Um, I think that fear is generally unhelpful, right? Mm. Everyone needs to have yeah. a healthy amount of fear to stay alive. But people, I think we're far too fearful for our own good. 
Yeah. And so I think that fear is usually not that helpful. And so I've tried my best to kind of hold the mirror up to myself, look at myself in the mirror and say, Josh, like, what are you afraid of? And what are you going to work on? And mm. I do genuinely view myself as a pretty fearless person. That's awesome. Um, beyond that, I, I feel like my answer has always been a little bit more relationship based than physicality, right? Like, is there a cliff that scares me or a bear in the forest? I, I, no, I don't think so. Not too much. Not more than it should. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> just enough to keep me alive. Yeah. But I think, you know, kind of just like the, the common thread of humanity, I feel like I've got the fear of being alone or that I can be unsupported or not have friends or, you know what I mean? Anything like that. I, I spend some time thinking about that. That weighs heavy on my heart and my mind. Yeah. But at the same time, I, I think I, I try my best to understand that those fears at the end of the day are not helpful. So just go love and be, be who you want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. Well, we've covered a lot and a lot. Well, I, I really didn't know where this episode was going to go because it was a little um, I usually have like my set form and we I try to keep it outlined. But I actually loved every part of this episode and I loved where it took us and the things you shared. So I really appreciate your time and everybody, everybody. I hope you loved listening to Josh today. And yeah, any last words as we say goodbye? No, uh, yeah. Thanks again for having me on the show. Um, I love that you call it a show. I'm like, welcome to the show. <laughs> It's a Life it's a show. show. Yeah, it's like a show to me. Find it on YouTube. I've always wanted to be a talk show host. Actually, it was my dream to be like, like Oprah. Like that would be such a fun job. And this is kind well, of that, honestly. This is that. You're talking. You're on a show. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it again. And everybody, have a great day. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next week. Bye. <laughs>